going to be in Luke chapter 12 this morning. For those of you that are wondering why, why I am standing here and not Melissa, as we announced last week, and are uh, thoroughly disappointed that I am standing here instead of Melissa, uh, she has COVID, and so she is out, so that means I am, I am uh, back, uh, back up here uh, ready, to, uh, ready to preach, and uh, she seems to be on the back end of it, seems to be doing better, but still... Uh, still in the place where she didn't want to be here and risk kind of giving anything to anyone for Thanksgiving and, and those type of things. So um, you are stuck with me. Melissa texted me m- midweek uh, and said that she promised the sermon was done. She's not ducking anything. She just couldn't couldn't do it this this week. And uh, so uh, we'll have the opportunity to hear from Melissa uh, here soon. I am uh, I am sure. So she, she told me kind of midweek, Wednesday, Thursday, that she was not going to be able to do this. And uh, we were out of town uh, for a tournament for Isaiah at a robotics tournament up in Indianapolis. We were uh, up there, cool little tournament right there next to, it, to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And uh, we, were, we were there. And I, if you've never done a robotics tournament, which I'm assuming most of you have not, this is going to be really similar to like a, uh, a, a swimming, uh, like a swim meet where you sit around for two hours to watch like two minutes of, of action and then you sit around for another two hours and you just beat your head against the wall the whole time. That's kind of how the robotics thing works. So you, you sit around, do nothing for a while, then you have uh, a qualifying match. And so you, there's some dead time that you kind of feel throughout the day. And so during one of these one to two hour breaks, uh, whenever it was, it was lunchtime, uh, I had gone to pick up a to-go order just across the street from where this tournament was at, at a place called uh, Bourbon and Barbecue, which tells you it's probably going to be pretty good if that's the name of it. And so we, we went there, told the, the lady as I walked in, I just needed a place to place a to-go order, didn't need to, uh, didn't need to, to get a table. She said, hey, no problem, just go sit at the bar over there and they will, they will get the, the, the to-go order for you. And and you'll be uh, you'll be good. I said no problem. So I went up there, placed my order, uh, and as I sat there waiting on my order, which turned out to be about 15 minutes to get this to go order, I decided I would make use of my time, uh, which uh, just in interest of full disclosure enables me to say a sentence that I never thought I would be able to say, which is I did my sermon prep for this sermon while sitting at the bar. That's how I, I prepared for this. So. Uh, we'll see how the next 30 minutes or so goes, and uh, you can make your own judgment about what I had while I sat there. Um, but we're going to be in Luke 12, uh, and I'll be, uh, we're going to be just kind of taking the next passage in the book of Luke uh, that we would normally be doing, just kind of keep going that. But I want to take advantage of the calendar just a bit here uh, and let that serve us this morning too. And so we've got the Lord's Supper, we have Thanksgiving that is coming uh, and we have uh, our passage here in Luke 12, and my hope is that we can uh, draw all of those things uh, together. So we're in Luke 12. Jesus is right in the middle of this extended teaching about uh, that he's giving to the Pharisees, and he's kind of uh, laying after, lay, laying into these Pharisees. He's coming after them, and he is not mincing any. Uh, words. He's issuing warnings right and left about the kind of people we were supposed to be, about what he has come to do. Uh, he's warning us about sleepwalking through life. This is what we talked about last week, that there is a judgment to come, and we would do well to stay awake and be aware uh, of what this is, and that we would not let the world distract us or seduce us with so many things. Uh, he's telling that to his listeners, and by way of application, he's telling that to us this morning. 
And his teaching is going to stay in this same kind of lane for the rest of this chapter that we'll cover today. And it will serve us this morning and it will also serve us this week, I think, as we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving. And then it will also kind of serve to set the stage for the next few weeks as we work through the season of Advent. And we consider some of what Jesus says right here in this passage and what it has to do with Christmas. And if you read this, then you'll, once we read this, you'll say, well, what in the world does that have to do with Christmas? To which I'll say, come back in a few weeks and we'll talk about it. But verse 54, which is where we're going to be, picks up where we uh, left off last week. And last week we saw that Jesus talks about how he did not come to bring peace, how he did not uh, come to, uh, to do that, but instead to bring division, and that there is a fire that he brings with him. And then he says this in Luke 12, verse 54. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. So Jesus is going to continue what has been his pattern all throughout this section of teaching where he is going to use two different metaphors, two different metaphors, uh, and, and he does this all throughout this, this in, in chapters 11 and cha- chapter 12. He's got metaphors all over the place to try to help this stuff that he is teaching uh, connect to us. You can almost sense the urgency uh, in Jesus's message here as he goes from metaphor to metaphor to metaphor. If you've ever done any kind of teaching, you know that there is a way that you can just kind of spit out facts, but if you want to really labor to try to get people to understand more than just facts, but instead to actually apply and comprehend what it is that you're teaching, you're going to use stories, you're going to use metaphors, you're going to try to say it's kind of like this, and it's kind of like that, and it's kind of this and that, and so Jesus is doing that one after another, after another, after another. He's talked about weather, he's talked about judges, he's talked about servants, he's talked about household managers, he's talked about lamps, he's talked about uh, uh, barns overflowing, just One metaphor after another, after another, as he works to to help his hearers understand and and apply the message that he has here. So hopefully in all of these stories, what you don't end up doing is getting confused about, well, wait a minute, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about a servant over here? What what do we, and and you kind of get lost in the in the metaphors my hope is that in seeing this whole section together what you sense is not a confusion over metaphors but an urgency from jesus for you to hear this message where he is he is working hard to make sure that his uh his initial hearers and us today kind of understand his passion and his message and so here he uses two. The first one, he talks about the weather. And out of context, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to understand what Jesus is talking about here. But in context, we can glean a, a little bit of understanding and say, okay, I understand. He's applying what we talked about last week. He's trying to draw some more out of what we talked about last week. Really, last week's sermon and this text go together. I just didn't have time to, to, to bring all that together uh, last week. So this one kind of... Uh, this, this, this part of Jesus' message here just 
highlights and applies more of what we talked about last week, where he said that he comes to bring uh, division, not peace, and he comes with, uh, with a fire with which he will, he will baptize the, the world. And so uh, this is the application of that. And he's using this metaphor about uh, the, we- the weather. He's calling out his hearers, likely the same Pharisees and lawyers that we saw all the way back in 1137 and 1145. He is calling out those Pharisees and lawyers, and he's saying, Look around you. When you see the clouds coming, you know it's going to rain. When you feel the heat in the wind, you know it's going to be a hot afternoon. You know it's going to be a scorcher. Good for you. You can figure out when it's going to rain, and you can do that by looking at what's coming and saying, they don't, they don't have like a weather app on their phone, right? They can't look on their weather app and be like, oh, it's going to rain this afternoon because it says at, at 2.43, I'm supposed, I've got a, a 63% chance of rain, right? That's what we do. They, they, don't, they don't have that. Instead, they've got to figure out if it's going to rain or if it's going to be hot, what kind of day it is, and plan for their day based off of the weather patterns that they can see forming around them. And so when they can look and they can see clouds off in the distance and they realize, oh, it's going to rain this afternoon, at the very least, I better take a, a, a raincoat with me, if not just stay in the house altogether. Or it's going to be hot, I need to dress accordingly, and I can tell that because I can feel the heat and the wind. So they are very good at observing things. Very good at, at bringing things in. It's one of the things that I think our phones have made us really bad at is observing things. We don't have to observe things. We just go and get the information, whatever we need. They had to learn and they had to understand by observing. Jesus says, good for you. You can figure this out. You've done the work. You have enough common sense to understand the warning signs for the weather. But you teachers of Israel, you are missing warning signs all around you you stood and you've watched me jesus you've you've stood and you've watched me perform miracles you've heard my teaching you have you you know the prophecies you know what the prophets have said about the messiah and you know that what the prophets have said about the messiah lines up with who i am and what i've done yet you refuse to acknowledge that i am the one that the prophets spoke of You see what's coming on the horizon. You see what's there. And you of all people should be good weathermen. You should be able to interpret what is before you. You should be able to figure out what is happening in front of you. But you're missing it. You're not getting it. In John 1, we have the story of of Philip and Nathaniel. This little interaction, I think, shows us exactly how things should have gone. And I think if we, can, if we read this, we'll see, all right, this is how it should have happened for the Pharisees and, and the lawyers. This is the, the story of a man that looked up, saw it was going to rain, and planned accordingly. In other, in other words, a, a guy who, who saw the telltale signs of the Messiah and responded exactly as he should have. So this is John chapter 1, verse 45. This is the, the, the calling of, uh, of uh, Nathaniel. Let, let me read this. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses and in the law we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. All right, so we have found the guy, the guy the prophets wrote of. We have found that guy. You need to come and see him. So what what's happening there? He's in he's seeing the signs and he's interpreting the signs, right? He's saying 
I have this guy, Jesus, he matches up with everything. He matches up with everything that Moses has said. We have found the guy. Verse 46, Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, I don't believe the signs that you have seen are actually correct. I'm I'm not buying it. Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So do you see how this happens here? Do you see how this interaction between Philip and Nathanael is how things should have gone? This is what Jesus is saying. You see things happening and you should interpret them in a, in a certain way. And so, so, so what Nathanael says is, I don't really believe the signs that you're saying, but fine, I'll come and take it a look for myself. He comes to take a look for himself, meets Jesus. Jesus gives him this very kind of obscure, innocuous prophecy. Like, we don't even really exactly know what it is that, 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 gets, that gets Nathaniel so charged up because Jesus is just like, I saw you sitting over there under the tree. And he's like, whoa, how did you do that? Like, so we don't know exactly how that, that plays out. But for, for Nathaniel, what, what he clearly recognizes is if Jesus can do that, then Jesus must be exactly who Philip said he was. He must be the one that the prophets foretold. And so that's how things should have gone. Nathaniel recognizes who Jesus is, recognizes how Jesus fulfilled those prophecies, and then he responds accordingly, and he says, I am going to follow this guy. That's how it should have worked. That's what it looks like to properly see the signs and then respond accordingly. And Jesus is, in, 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 back in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is giving us all kinds of just story after story, metaphor after metaphor, saying, look at this, look at this, pay attention to this, I'm showing you this, you should have seen this, how have you not seen this? And he's going, and he's, he's going, like as he goes throughout Luke 12, he's going back and forth talking about his first advent, his first coming, and his second advent, his second coming, and he's, he's talking about both of those things, and in some, in some places he's talking about the same, he's talking about both his first coming and his second coming in the same sentence. And it's just a matter of how you uh, apply those. And so he, he's, he's, the, he's talking about the fact that he, the Son of God, the Messiah, is walking the earth, performing miracles. And that he's the one that they should recognize as the Messiah. They should see this with him. And then the second thing that he is trying to do in the midst of this this teaching here in Luke 12 is he's drawing our attention to the second coming, to the completion of all things that the Messiah is going to do. So what what we've talked about before, we've talked about this idea of prophetic foreshortening, which is a long word, uh, but it, it is a... Uh, it is this idea that oftentimes when you talk about prophecy in the Bible, the way that the prophets talk about it, the way that uh, future things are talked about is they are talked about mixed in with things that are happening now or that have happened in the past. And so this is like a, a spyglass. You can put that, that picture up there. 
So, like, you guys seen this, like, you know, the, the, the pirate pulls out the, the long spyglass, and he's looking at the, the spyglass, but then you kind of collapse it down, right? So, the way that you can imagine this is that whenever the, the, the biblical writers, whenever the prophets talk about what is going to happen, they, they look at it as though that, that spyglass, like, the, all of time is kind of collapsed down into a small amount. And so what you see is, the, what is what is going to happen far in the future and what is going to happen close, but it's all collapsed down. Now, as we go through this and we live this out, as Jesus comes in his first advent, especially where we are now between the first and the second coming, that is, is if that spyglass is expanded, all right? So what that means is we can see some of it has happened in the past. Some of it is to come in the future. And where Jesus is teaching in Luke 12, he's saying some of it is happening right now in front of you. I am here. I am the Messiah. And you need to understand there are things that will happen, things that have happened. And with me standing here walking the earth with you, there are things that are happening. And you need to understand who I am, that I am in the midst of you, and you need to understand that, right? So this is the signs that Jesus is trying to give. He's trying to help his hearers understand and where we are kind of on the timeline where we are in all of this he doesn't want us to misread the signs and the times this mindset this this urgency and this need for awareness is paramount for jesus right here in this uh in this moment i told the men on on monday night uh last week for our basic training that if i were a football coach if I were a football coach and my team needed a mantra, kind of a, a slogan for, for the year, kind of like a, a rallying cry for the year, if I were a football coach, then Team Providence's mantra for the, this year coming up for us, maybe for the next couple of years for us, uh, would be know the time or know what time it is. This is what I want for you, Providence. This is what I want for you to understand what I want for you to hear. You are going to hear me say this a lot over the course of the next several months anyway, because Luke is going to talk about it a lot. And then we got some other things between our Advent series and some other things where I just feel like this is where God is kind of leading so much of, uh, of who we are and, 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 and what is coming for us in the book of Luke. We are going to emphasize this idea of knowing the time. Don't misunderstand where we are in the scheme of things. Don't misunderstand the time that we have. This will be our mantra. You will hear me talk about this a lot as we continue to go through this, to understand and know the time. Time and time again, Luke will revisit this theme, and so will we. There is a need for us to know and understand the time. I want the men and women of Providence to feel the weight of time on your minds and on your hearts. I want that to show up in how we treat our neighbors. I want it to show up in how we parent our children. I want it to show up in the way that we love our wives and our spouses and the way that we carry ourselves and our jobs. I want that to be front and center, the mindset that we continually come back to, to be aware, to not sleepwalk through the next year. To not be a group of people who this time next year we look back and we say, 
What happened? The year flew by and I haven't invested anything for eternity because I've been so invested in this world here. And I think what Jesus is leaning into here in this passage should be our mindset. To know what time it is. To wake up. To stop sleepwalking. But that's not all. Let's look at this next metaphor that he comes to in Luke chapter 12, verse 57. He says, Why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser, accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge. And the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. So Jesus basically gives this metaphor to underscore the previous metaphor, which was making a point about the previous metaphor. Do you see how he just stacks all these up to try to help us understand things here? He's giving us this, this, this thing, and he says, open your eyes, look around, and realize exactly what this life is. Open your eyes and see exactly who Jesus is. And then understand what it is that Jesus demands of us. Do not spend your life chasing after frivolous things because you don't know what time it is. Then in in this metaphor, he wants us to make sure that we make the most use of the time. The court metaphor here, don't get too caught up and too lost in the details of it. It's simply trying to make this point, saying this. If you've been accused of something, if you've been accused of something and your accuser has a legitimate complaint, a legitimate accusation against you, you would do well to settle that debt before you go before the judge. Because if you don't, the judge is going to make sure that you settle that debt, and he's going to do it on terms that you will not like. And he's going to do it in a way that you would not choose. And he won't relent until you've paid every last penny. Don't make the mistake of waiting too long until your chance to make it right with your accuser, your accuser is too far gone. Do it now. Take advantage of the time you have. Now, our application of this point is virtually endless. And so the question is, how would God have you take advantage of the time you have right now and not make the mistake of waiting too long? Now, the obvious and the, 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 the clear ap- application here is if you are not a Christian, if you are not a follower of Jesus, there will be a time when you will be brought before the judge. And if you have not settled up and you have not made things right, then you will have to give account for what it is that you have done. And according to this, then you will pay and you will be punished on behalf of what you have done until you have paid for every last penny, as it says here. But the whole point in this is if you understand the time and if you know, if you know where we are in the, in the grand scheme of things, then you can make that right before then. You don't have to wait until that day. There's so many other applications that we could apply here of making sure that we take advantage of the time we have. Now is not time for killing time. It's not time for wasting time. Most of our world is built for you to do one of those two things. But now is not the time for that. To do so would be to misunderstand and misread the signs. 
Now is the time for pursuing Christ, for seeking forgiveness, and for living like we know what time it is. I want you guys to, to, to hear me. I want you guys to hear my heart right in here. I can stand up here and plead with you to hear this message, but I also know that today, this week, has a whole, a whole army of things lined up to make you forget everything that I've just said. From grocery store runs to, uh, to, to, to feast of celebration to shopping to all kinds of different things. There's all kinds of things to, 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 to having to figure out how you navigate family this and family that. All of that stuff is all right here in front of you. And you have all these things to distract you from this reality and to get caught up with this world. It's just so easy to let the days turn into weeks and the weeks turn into months and it all runs together in this mindless stream of stuff that has to be done. And I want to implore you, don't, don't let that happen over the course of this week and over the course of the next several weeks. Don't go through life just going from thing to thing to thing. But instead, to go back to this initial metaphor, to see the, the clouds on the horizon and not go out into life with a, the, the, the top down on the convertible, right? This is, this is the idea, is that we're, we're going out, like we see the rain coming, and we're like, hey, it looks like a good day for a drive, top down on the convertible, because the convertible is nice, it is shiny, and it's lots of fun. And so we go out with all the nice, shiny, lots of fun things that the world has to offer, and then we find ourselves caught in the middle of a storm. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Do not make that mistake. Take advantage of the time you've been given. Ephesians chapter 5, 13 through 17 says it this way. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper. This is coming back to Last week, talking about don't be sleepwalking through life. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. Don't be a fool. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And when Paul says there, understand what the will of the Lord is, uh, there's a lot of potential ways for us to kind of keep going from there. Like, what, what is the will of God? What does God want for us? What does God ask of us? There's a lot of directions we could go there. I'm going to give us one this morning where, God, where, where Paul specifically says, this is the will of God. That's helpful whenever Paul says, do the will of God. And then elsewhere he tells us, this is the will of God. All right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Just one application of many I could give here. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So let's, let's put all of this together. Let's, let's, put, let's put it all together. There are, there are many, many ways that we can make sure that we properly know the time. That we see the works and the person of Jesus and we don't dismiss them, we don't mistake them for something else, but instead that we properly apply 
those lessons to our lives. There may be some ways that the Holy Spirit is prompting you even now that are independent of anything that I'm putting out here. There's all kinds of ways that we can talk about this and that we can do that. And, and we'll do that a lot over the course of the coming months. This morning, though, there's some very specific things for us uh, and, and specific ways that this week of all weeks is that we would be a thankful people. That we would be a people full of gratitude. For being a thankful people is not simply an action we are called to, but it is who we are called to be. It's not just that you should give thanks, it's that you are to be a thankful people, a people of thanksgiving. Now whenever I say that, immediately there's so many things that could come to our minds, there's so many things that we could say, and if your first response is to look at your life and say, yeah, I get it, I know this is what I'm supposed to do, but my life is like, ah, like I don't know about, about that one, and, and I get that, and I have no desire to tell anyone that you should not feel grief or sadness or pain in your life, those are all part of our experience here, but I am here to say that, that, that grief, sadness, and pain do not have to rob us of what God has called us to be, which is thankful. Why? Because living as a thankful people is to, at least some part, understand the time correctly. If you understand and know the time, it will help make you a more thankful people. To understand that this world is only temporary and that there is a day that we can look forward to when all the pain and brokenness and sin, when all of those things will be no more. Being thankful in a world like ours is not a naive position, it is not a gullible position. It is not a position that exists within uh, denial. It is not a simple-minded position. It is a recognition that this world will one day be renewed and restored to new heavens and a new earth. And until that day, we weep with those who weep, but we also rejoice with those who rejoice, and that those two things coexist together in, 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 a, in, a, in a mix that we can't always figure out, but they coexist together in our lives. And in the midst of all of that, we can be a thankful people. We can be thankful for all the good that is in the world and for all the good that will be made in this world again. So this morning, we're going to take part in the, the Lord's Supper a little bit shorter this morning than, than I normally am, but we're going to take part in the, 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 the Lord's Supper. We'll come up, sing a song, and then we'll do it after we sing that song. But uh, we're going to take part in something that is designed very specifically to help us know and understand the time. So the, the, the Lord's Supper, this meal that we're uh, uh, about to take, it is in part, the, the purpose of it is to help us with exactly what Jesus is teaching in Luke 12 to understand the time correctly, to look back at the person of Jesus, to see his works, and then to respond appropriately and purpose, purposefully. So we're going to take part in the, in the Lord's Supper. Now, this is a meal not quite like the one that you're going to have here in just a, a few days. This is not a banquet. This is not a feast like Thanksgiving uh, is, is intended to be. And in fact, you're going to walk away from here and you're going to be uh, pretty hungry. Not much whenever you get a little cracker and you get just a little bit of juice. Uh, 
And the reason why is because this table is not meant to satisfy your hunger. It is meant to whet your appetite for something greater. It is meant to cause you to look back at the body broken, at the blood spilled, but it is also meant to cause you to look forward at the marriage supper of the Lamb when we sit down and we banquet with Jesus and we celebrate who He is. And so we we are to look back and we are to look forward. And in doing so, it helps us understand our place in the story. It helps us understand the time just a little bit better. It's designed to make you long for the goodness that is to come. To look forward to the day when all is made right and when we all will dine together. And it is also designed to deepen our gratitude as we look back to the the, the person of and the work of Jesus. So we look back and then we look forward to his second coming. Listen to how Paul says this. Very familiar verses. It's the verses, a lot of these verses that are right here on these, uh, uh, on these, these pages we have here. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you would think what he would say now is, you remember the death and the the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's not what he says. He says, For as often as you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So do you see how the Lord's Supper is intended to help us know our place in the story, to know the time correctly? It encourages us to look back, to do in remembrance of Christ. That is our thanksgiving for what has been done. And it encourages us to look forward until He comes. And that day, when this is not uh, simply a, a, matter, a matter of of a symbol or even a a metaphor to look forward to, but instead we have the full marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you see how it makes us look back and look forward? And both of those things are things that should cause thanksgiving in our hearts. So in our taking of the cup, we remember and we give thanks. There's different names for the Lord's Supper. We typically call it the Lord's Supper. You can also call it communion. Uh, Or if you came from a bit more of a high church tradition, it's called the Eucharist. The Eucharist, that comes from the the, the Greek word that, that means to give thanks. That's exactly what it is encouraging us to do. That as we take these elements, we give thanks. So friends, this is one of the best ways I know to help us know the time and to keep the time well. So I'm going to pray for us. Band's going to come up. We're going to sing a song, and then we will take these elements as we head into this Thanksgiving week. So let's pray. Father, it's our confession that we are easily distracted that so often we can look and we can see the signs and we know who you are and we know what you have called us to and we know uh, who Jesus is and what he has done and we know the, the response that that should provoke in our lives, but instead we turn the other way and we say, you know what, I'm just going to live my life in a totally different way as though that storm is not over there, as though it has no impact on my life. 
Father, I pray that you would forgive us for those times that we have done that, those times when we continually do that, and that you would help us to know, to see, to read the times, and to appropriately respond. Father, help us not put these things off and say, one day I will come to Jesus. One day I will follow Jesus. One day I will deal with these things. Help us not to to, to live that way or to say, one day Jesus will come back, but until then I will live how I want to live and do what I want to do. Help us not to be that kind of people, but to be the kind of people who look back on the cross, celebrate the, the, the death of Jesus the the punishment on our behalf and rejoice rejoice in the risen Christ and that we too are risen with him and that that would impact our life not someday but today and it's in Christ's name we pray amen